You're listening to The Healthy Sensitive. Welcome everyone to The Healthy Sensitive, a podcast for highly sensitive beatniks and creative renegades who want to figure out how to stay healthy, stay vibrant, uh, and also live big, go after their big D dreams and, you know, find a way to marry health and excitement, (laughs) if that's even possible. Anyway, I'm Leah Burkhart, your hostess on the show, a highly sensitive person, introvert, INFJ, one with a two wing, two with a one wing, (laughs) I don't even know. (laughs) At any rate, I'm the hostess, you're stuck with me. Today what I want to talk about is mindfulness. As a health educator and as a wellness coach, mindfulness comes up quite often as a subject of conversation. And I love that it comes up. But I find it curious how how many people misunderstand the meaning of mindfulness. What does it mean to be mindful? What does it mean to be aware? Uh, I think the, the the image that it conjures for most people is of this slow moving, intentional, quiet, kind, always thoughtful, never angry human. And no, <laughs> but, uh, well, it's not that that isn't mindful necessarily. It's more that that's not complete. It's not comprehensive. So what I want to kind of do here is investigate what it means to be a mindful person, debunk some of the myths and misunderstandings, and hopefully land at a space where we can be a little bit more... I guess bring some curiosity into what mindfulness means and what it requires and also challenge ourselves to be mindful in our everyday lives in ways that are effective. So the way I've organized this is to break it down into 10, like how do you know, because I can talk about mindfulness and I can put definitions to it. Uh, In fact, that seems like a worthwhile thing to do. If I were to just look up mindfulness, you're getting it in real time here, folks. What is, clearly I pull out my phone, I was listening to a podcast about mindfulness. (laughs) What does it mean to be mindful? Definition. According to this, conscious or aware of something. Okay, well that's not helpful. Focusing one's awareness on the present moment, especially as part of a therapeutic or meditative technique. Okay, maybe a little bit better, but still... (laughs) inclined or willing to do something. The judge said that he was not mindful to postpone the eviction again. So not actually all that helpful. Because the definitions that I find, and I'm sure therefore by extension the definitions that you might find if you were to do a sort of cursory Google search, that they would continue to be pretty vague. I thought what I would do is take a moment to kind of try and make this more tangible. So What is happening if you're actually being mindful? The first thing that comes to my mind is you're very aware of your values. 
So a mindful person is aware of their own core values. So examples might be, I value my relationships, I value personal growth, I value creativity, I value independence, you know, cherry pick all of the values that are important to you. I would recommend not going above the number five. Beyond that, then it's not really a value, it's just a bucket list items of words you enjoy saying to yourself, <laughs> which I guess has its value too. But a value is something, like we might, our interests might shift and bend and contort and change altogether. But a value is something that tends to be a bit more constant. And that isn't to say that you can't change your values ever. It's just more concrete. So much the same way as a mountain is as subject to the whims of nature as a river or well, a human, uh, it will just take a lot longer for the wind and snow and the elements in general can, to gently erode a mountain until it's nothing but dust. doesn't mean it won't happen, but it is more solid. So that's, I think, where I'd be going with the value. Your values might change, but they're going to be a lot more concrete, a lot more solid, a lot more difficult to chafe or to, to erode than, say, your interests or the things that you become infatuated with, your curiosities, etc. So if you're being mindful throughout the day, you, there's a there's an underlying awareness of your values. It's hard to not have your, your finger on the pulse of whatever your values are. So that's the first one. The next is you're being honest with yourself about your about the degree to which your behaviors are in alignment with your values. So with regard to honesty, it's I think that I don't tend to tell lies to other people. I'm a terrible liar. I've got whatever the opposite of poker face is. I think Elizabeth Gilbert wrote in Eat, Pray, Love that you've got more like miniature golf face. <laughs> um, it's a great metaphor. For myself, uh, I don't know if I've got miniature golf face. I just don't have a poker face. I'm not a good liar to other people. However, whether I like it or not, I am quite good at lying to myself. And... To give you an idea of how that might come about, I, I'm very aware of my, my values. Um, the values that I would say I, I cherish most right now would be uh, I value my health, I value my relationships, I do value personal growth, uh, I value, I guess you could say I value integrity, you know, that I value keeping my actions in alignment with my values, which I don't know if that constitutes a value or if one has integrity simply by following in, with their values. Don't really know, but I certainly do value and cherish that. And I also value purposeful work, you know, work with a capital W, purpose with a capital P. So these are some examples of my values. And if I'm starting to do something that might be chafing against one of those values, Ideally, I'm honest with myself about that. So that kind of, again, this is number two, being really honest with the degree to which you are in alignment with your core values. The tricky part comes into play when perhaps my behaviors are showing the degree to which my values might conflict. So here's an example. I value my health, and so I get home from work, and I really want to go to do a workout. I also value my relationships and my 
let's say my boyfriend calls and says, I need help with, I don't know, a project. Well, now I'm in this situation where whatever I choose, I'm going to maybe compete with a, a value. If I decide to say, if I say no to the per, to my person, to my boyfriend, well, now I'm going against my value of, you know, my value of relationships. And if I say no to the exercise, well, now I'm going against my value of health. So generally when this happens to us, and when I say us, I mean all human beings, what we tend to do is go toward whatever our knee-jerk response is. So because I'm more of a pleaser, that's in my nature. Some of that's good. I'm a kind person, or at least that's my intention when I'm navigating in the world. And I like pleasing people. I, when I please people, I get praise. That feels good. And when I say no to people, that's uncomfortable. And maybe that's what's called for. And maybe it's not. Maybe there's absolutely nothing wrong with choosing to, you know, opting for feeding the relationship as opposed to feeding my health habits. Maybe there's nothing wrong with that. But some, generally, this is when it's where the what is it? The rubber hits the mat, if you will, or the rubber hits the road. I don't remember. If I'm being mindful, the next this brings us to number three. I'm getting curious. I'm allowing the space for curiosity. And I start asking questions. Am I moving toward saying no to my workout in favor of helping my my partner with his project because I truly want to be doing that thing and I truly care about that thing more than my workout today? That seems appropriate. Or and is that just a knee-jerk response because I don't know how to be uncomfortable? Huh. So I will bring into that situation a measure of curiosity and whatever answer arises from that line of questioning, I know I'm being mindful if I'm being honest with myself about the real true answers. I think this is probably true of most people and if not, it's definitely true of me. I lie to myself way more often than I would ever lie to anyone else. It's astounding how good I am at lying to myself sometimes. So that brings us, so we've gone through three things now. The first is I'm aware of my values. The second is I'm mindful of the degree to which my behaviors are matching my values. I'm being honest with myself about that. And the way that I go about being honest brings us to number three is I've brought a measure of curiosity. I don't just assume that my behaviors are in alignment. I've got curiosity around it. So that's all well and good. So my thoughts are honest, which then would mean my speech would be honest. And then hopefully that would extend to my behaviors, which now brings us to number four. At the end of the day, my behavior mirrors my values. So whatever I opt, whatever I choose, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I've gone through the the deliberation and I've decided to do blank. And I know that I came from a mindful place if my behaviors are also in alignment with my values. The next thing though, to keep in mind, you wanna make sure that your behavior is appropriate. So appropriate, what does that even really mean? As a person whose default, like 
my default go-to way to behave in the world is to be gentle, to be kind, to be open. I love being open. This is common with highly sensitive people because we love to connect. It's not true of all HSPs, but it seems to be a pretty common thread. It feels good, man. <laughs> you know, when you've met someone and there's that intimate connection with a person across the table or you know, that you've connected with and you're on a walk with them, it feels so good. And to close down and to create a boundary, maybe that's appropriate, maybe it's not, but that's hard. I don't want to do that. And so much of the sort of spiritual gobbledygook that's out there keeps pointing all of us in that direction, toward opening up. And I think, in large part, that's because the kinds of people who happen to be writing those books were on a different part of the spectrum. So in the realm of healing, as an example, in general, people often fall in one of two camps. They're doormats, and their goal in life, or the work they have to do, is to slowly get to the place where they can be more assertive. And then there are folks that are just jerks, and they have no problem being assertive or even maybe aggressive with regard to getting what they need and getting their needs met. So their work, so to speak, is to kind of move gently towards softening. And so a lot of the folks who will speak in the spiritual arenas will talk about this softening, this this being gentler. And it's applicable and it's appropriate and it's important for a good chunk of people to hear. For the most part, highly sensitive people don't tend to fall in that Jerkosaurus Rex category. Most of them are pleasers, which is not to say that makes them better. In many respects, it can make them worse because it can feel like a kind of... um, God... uh, Betrayal. I can feel like a betrayal. I know that in my most recent relationship, when I left, he legitimately felt, or at least so he said, when I when we dissolved the relationship, he looked at me and he said, I don't think you ever really did love me. I think you just loved the idea of me. And I did a lot of reflection on that, and I can tell you, all of you, that that wasn't true. And I did, again, I, I, that's not an honest assessment. But that was his experience of me. And that must have been excruciatingly painful to be standing across from someone and thinking to themselves, I can't trust you because you're so good at pleasing. This, was, this is how it felt for him. And now I'm sort of paraphrasing. And he, I'm not putting words in his mouth. But it's like, I'm staring across at you and your default mode of operation is to please. So I don't know at what point the things you were doing that I thought were so charming were real. And at what point it was false. It was just something you were doing so you could avoid a conflict. And that's, that's a horrible position to be in when you're when a relationship is dissolving, to to be questioning whether or not the things that the person you were with, whether they felt anything real for you. That's horrible. So, yeah, it's true that jerks, they're sharp and they're edgy and they can be kind of miserable to be around. And they definitely, they benefit from softening, as we all do when they soften. Our lives get much easier But the same is true for those of us on the other end of the spectrum. When we are unwilling to be mindful about our behaviors and we just sort of go to the knee-jerk response of, oh, I'm going to do that because I know that will please you, 
that can leave the other person feeling truly betrayed when at a certain point we collapse under the strain of all of our yesers, of all of the things we said we could do and that we in fact wanted to do, but we just weren't being honest with ourselves and by extension other people about what it is we were capable of and what it is we really, really wanted, what we really cared about. So it's important that the behavior that you bring to this, any situation is appropriate. And now I'm going to get into what I mean by that because I think I've skirted around the bush so far. There are times when the appropriate response, like I'm engaging with another person, and the appropriate response is to soften and to open. An example might be if someone is coming in, they're, they're running late for an appointment with me, and they're just distraught as I'll get out, and they got into a car accident, and it was fine, it was just a fender bender, but oh, I was running late, and I'm, I hate that I was running late, and they're going on and on. This is not the time to berate them and to be sharp. I mean, you can tell this person in front of you is just falling apart. That's the time to open and to observe and get curious and hold the space. This person is in pain. You know, this person is frustrated already. This person is punishing themselves way, way more effectively than you ever could. But there are times when it's appropriate to be sharp, to be hard, to be callous, to be pushy, maybe even. You know, it's not appropriate for me to be open, or at least I found, I discovered it wasn't appropriate when I was walking on, in the tenderloin of San Francisco. Not because I ever felt like my life was threatened. It's not really that kind of a seedy spot. It's more just, um, hmm. The tenderloin of San Francisco isn't unsafe so much as it's unsavory. It's, it's painful to walk in the tenderloin, not because people are trying to hurt you, but because they are hurting. And particularly for highly sensitive people who are picking up on all of that information. That is an extremely uncomfortable space to navigate and to move through and try and sort of block yourself up against. Now, I could be open, and I tried that on occasion. It's like, hi, let's just be open to everyone, and let's just be, let's just see the humanity in all. And got myself into some sticky situations where all of a sudden people were following me down the street. And they never, I mean, in looking back, it wasn't like they were following me to cause me harm. But it was like, oh, cool great, now let's follow her and see what else we can get out of her. And so that could have escalated at some point into something that was physically dangerous to myself. That was not the appropriate behavior. So I wasn't being mindful. That was me knee-jerk reacting. That was me coming into a space and using my patterning. That's not mindful. And I will say too, in my last relationship, that was something I had to get to in order to to move through. Because it wasn't just that the relationship was dissolving. I also had to be assertive with multiple other people that were involved in this new transition that was going to be happening in my life. I was living in a home that was owned by my mom and that we were sort of renting, we were in a rent to own sort of circumstance. I mean, it's more complicated than that, but basically that's the gist of it. And so, and he had put money into the property. There's a lot of layers to this. And now we're having to untangle all of that. That means that I had to be really clear and assertive about what I needed to the gentleman who's now gonna be leaving my life. And then I had to be really clear and assertive with my mom and I had to be clear and assertive with real estate agents and with mortgage brokers and with bankers. And there were all of these parties that I now had to be really clear, this is what I'm going to need from you. And I couldn't be soft because, well, I could easily have gotten taken advantage of or it just might not have been, 
what needed to happen might not have happened because people would have been waiting for me if I'd said, oh no, let's just be soft, let's just be slow, let's let's wait until everyone feels comfortable with it. I would still be living in <laughs> the Bay Area, California right now. I had to be on some level, I mean, it felt to me at least kind of cutthroat, but that's what that situation called for. And so I, I think it's really easy for us to imagine that to be mindful is to always be soft and beautiful and, and, and sweet. It's not. To be mindful is to be effective. It's to, to look at what's going on around you and look down at the toolbox at your disposal and pull out the right tool. It's knowing when the appropriate tool to pull out is a hammer and when the appropriate tool is a jackhammer. And there are situations that call for jackhammers. You're not gonna repave the streets, you know, tear up all of the streets with a hammer. Not unless you've got an arse, like an army of people. And they've gotta be some tough cookies even at that. No, you need a jackhammer. And that's life, man. Like that's, that's how you navigate life effectively. So yeah, be effective. And to be effective, make sure that your behavior matches and is appropriate for the situation and the circumstances that you're you're in. Um, How will you know that whatever it is that you did, maybe, I don't want to say it was right, but what might be indicators to you after the fact that whatever it was that you did came from a place of mindfulness? Well, one is you'll probably notice that you aren't feeling much resentment. I can honestly tell you that there's no part of me that resents any of the parties that were involved in that chaos of a, you know, entanglement that we, I had to undergo. Um, when I am being really honest, so let's, get, let's go back to that first example, actually. Let's say that I, I did some investigation and I was trying to decide, do I go and do I go to the gym or do I help my partner with his homework or his part project or whatever? And I decide to help my partner with this project. And then afterward, I feel resentful. I resent that I didn't get my me time and I gave it up for this person. Well, that's the indicator to me that I wasn't in fact being mindful when I made that decision. Because if I'm feeling resentful, what that really means is I didn't hold up a healthy boundary. That comes up a lot in Brene Brown's work, if you're curious. Uh, she talks constantly, you know, um, what is it? Boundaries Brown or... Brene boundaries. I forget what it was that people lovingly call her, but she thought it was hysterical and she got a kick out of it. Basically, she's constantly going, driving home. Did I put up a healthy boundary? And if I didn't, generally the result of that is resentment. So how will you know if whatever it was that you did came from a place of mindfulness and of honesty? You'll walk away not feeling resentful. So I'll walk away from that exchange with my boyfriend feeling satisfied feeling yeah like that was the right decision I'm really glad I did that I feel more connected to you I feel like you know you were able to lean on me in a moment of vulnerability and and that feels really good I'm glad I was able to be there for you in this way and that I mean I guess this is a separate one although we sort of touched on it already whatever that comes to the, the speech that I have like when I'm talking to other people my speech will also be as honest as I am being honest with myself. So if I've said to my boyfriend, hey, yes, I'm happy to help you, and I really was happy to help him, <laughs> then that'll all go swimmingly. But let's say that I, now let's, let's kind of go through that whole thing. 
Um, I helped him instead of doing what I should have done for myself. And I say should because I've now walked away from that situation feeling resentful. It's like, I helped you. Damn it, I don't feel good about this. Well, now I can move into this new space of mindfulness because it wasn't precisely that I was lying to myself or it wasn't that I was lying to him. It was that I wasn't quite sure. I had these two conflicting values and I made the best call that I could given the information I had. But now walking away from that situation, I'm feeling resentment. Well, now the next thing I can do is be honest with my speech. I can say, hey, like in the future, if another request comes up, I can now say, hey, in the past, I know I did that and I, and I really love that I was there for you during that time. But you know, this next time I really need to go to the gym because I've got to tell you, when I did it the last time, I was tired. I, I really felt kind of icky and you know, whatever. I mean, this is my language. Clearly your language would be distinct and, and different, but it doesn't, I guess this is another principle we could talk about, but to be mindful doesn't mean that you were always correct. It means that you were thoughtful and that your behaviors were in alignment with your values. And if you determine after the fact that you felt some resentment and you realize, oof, maybe they weren't in alignment with my values. Maybe I was lying to myself. Well, now that is a kind of mindfulness because you had the kind of awareness to, de- to determine that what you just tried back there was an experiment. So that links right back to curiosity. You have the spirit of curiosity with whatever it is that you're doing and having to get through. Next, you'll know that you are being mindful if your gremlins don't have the keys to your car. So you're not coming from a place of your patterning. In other words, it's not like, you know, there's your gremlins are the things that say to you, no, it's never enough. You aren't enough. You're not doing enough. You don't have enough. And if whatever your behavior is, is actually coming from that place where your gremlin is sort of got the keys to the car, it's, it's in the driver's seat and you're just along for the ride. You weren't being mindful. You know, you're mindful because you're not going to get rid of your gremlins or, or maybe you will, but it's, it's not so much that you can just be, tell your gremlins, all right, get out of the car. They're a part of you but they're in the back seat and they have their commentary and, and they might even have something useful to give to you every once in a while. Maybe there's a reason that they're there. Maybe they're, they're fearful for you and they want to make sure that you're safe. Nevertheless, you tell them, okay, kids, I hear you. Thanks for the input. Still not going to follow where you're telling me I need to go. Or maybe you do, but you're the one who's driving. Uh, next, no self-blame, only self interest. So this brings us back to whenever you've done something that, you know, again, you, you tried to make a call, you did the best you could, and you realize when you were done, nah, you know, I don't think that was the right call. You don't blame yourself. You get interested. So this doesn't, when I say no self-blame, only self-interest, I don't mean people it's like, oh, you're only out for your own self-interest. I mean it in the sense you're interested in yourself. You're intrigued. You don't come away from that situation thinking, damn it. What is wrong with me? I never seem to be able to get past this. Well, you're not supposed to get past it. You're supposed to to move. You're supposed to dance with it. That's what it is. So if you're being mindful, whatever result comes of your, your actions, your behaviors, you're not ever blaming yourself. You're only getting curious. You're only interested. Everything is interesting. Oh, look at that. I was so sure that would be the right decision. And now I feel like shit. Isn't that interesting? Huh, maybe I should examine this a little bit more. Hmm. And finally, the last is you're able to let go of the outcome. So if you're being mindful, I mean, truly, truly mindful, you're not 
linked. You're not just like, I must experience blank. Nah, man, you're just, you're letting go of whatever the outcome is and you're just collecting data. So to give you another example, um, let's talk about mindful movement. Let's say that you decided to go and do an exercise class and maybe you're in a training program and you're training for a marathon and you get up and you're just, you're following the, the, tra- the marathon training app or protocols or whatever. And one day you get up and you think, God, I just feel, I don't, I'm just not feeling it. My energy is really low. Um, the run, to run it, it just, it really feels brutal. I don't know what's going on and the struggle is real right now. Well, let's say that you feel that and then you think, you know, I don't think I'm going to do the training. I think instead I'm going to do some yoga or maybe I'll just sit and meditate. Maybe I'll just sleep an extra hour. Maybe my body needs the extra sleep. That's being mindful. But on the flip side, if you're feeling itchy and bumpy and bouncy and someone says to you, hey, let's go to a yoga class. Let's go to yin yoga. Well, just because yin yoga is slow and methodical, <laughs> like that doesn't mean that you practice mindfulness. You weren't doing what was appropriate for that time. It, your, what was appropriate for your body when you were feeling bouncy and you'd be skippy probably was to work off the energy. So mindful movement doesn't even have to mean slow and methodical. It just means you're meeting your body's needs. You're engaging with life and you're asking questions and you're responding based on whatever answers come up. So let's summarize all of this. Um, How do you know if whatever it is that you're doing, you're doing with mindfulness? Well, your behavior mirrors your values. That's one. Two, your behavior is appropriate for the environment you are in and the circumstances that you're in. Three, you're meeting the situation as it is, not as it should be. So you're not forcing your body to bend in accordance with some other training program. You're really going with what your body's in need of. You're not forcing yourself to be sweet or to be cruel. You're going with what is called of you. You know, I, I could have complained all day long and said, I really, like, I want the situation to be different. I want everybody to be nice. Guess what? Not everyone is nice. Get over it. Sorry. Not sorry. Four. You have the capacity for curiosity. If you have the, the bandwidth to get curious, you're probably engaging in a mindful approach. Five, you are not resentful. If you have resentment, you lied to yourself and probably by extension to other people. So if at any point you feel resentment, that's an indicator that whatever it was you did probably wasn't mindful. Or to the extent that it was, now your job is to mindfully do differently the following time, the, the next time. Six, you're being honest with yourself. Seven, your speech mirrors your honesty with self. So the things you say are as honest as the things that you've, you've concluded in your own terms. Eight, your gremlins don't have the keys to your car. Nine, no self-blame, only self-interest. And 10, you're able to let go of the outcome. So this is what mindfulness really should be about. If you have questions about this, though, let's say that you you kind of, or maybe you even disagree, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, it, I mean, always love hearing conversations about this topic as well as what really any of the conversations that I've brought forth in a podcast. Uh, another thing I want to bring up, though, just so you're aware, speaking of mindfulness, in this month, so the month of February, I'm aiming to put out a 
a post every day in the membership site. And that post will have a topic. And then within that topic, I will put a very short course together that allows you to do a sort of a deeper exploration of that topic. If you're not a member, each of those little mini courses are only a dollar. So you get some of the research, you get an exercise that you can try out, and you get um, you know just some general information about the thing, that sort of thing. And some of the courses I have e-readers. Um, yeah, you get the idea. If you're a member, they're free. So any of the courses that I'll be launching in the next month are complimentary for any member. So, and that's true of all of the courses. So it's just $5 a month. If you want to take a look, I'm also going to be putting together a oh, a free trial. Ha! Huh, I know how to say stuff. So there's going to be a free trial offered. Please send me an email if you're interested in the free trial. My email is leah at thehealthysensitive.com. And uh, if you have feedback regarding any of this content that I'm putting out, please let me know. So again, leah at thehealthysensitive.com. And if you want access to the membership site or to any of the courses, just go to www.thehealthysensitive.com and go to courses and I will have a link to all of the courses I'm putting out. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all of what's going on right now. Oh, and also every other week I'm doing an online meetup where I will be discussing these topics live. Well, sort of live, <laughs> live online. And it's free to come. So here's the, here's the deal. I, I, I talk about a subject, I have a PowerPoint together, you know, we have a discussion around it, and that'll be for about an hour. It's on Fridays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. The information is on my website, www.thehealthysensitive.com. If you wanna join, again, it's free. The only thing I'm gonna ask of you is uh, your permission. If you decide to come and you, and you I, I'm gonna be using whatever, like that lecture and putting that in the membership site so that people can look at it later. So basically, if you come, you have given me your time. Um, if you want to share your thoughts, I would love for you to do that. I always love it when there's a conversation because as much as my little ego loves to think I know things, <laughs> um, it's way more interesting and dynamic when other people share their insights and their wisdom. So free if you want to show up. If you can't make it, I will be putting all of those lectures also in the membership site. So you can re refer back to them at any time. And then if let's say you just, you saw it once and you want the notes, then you just got to shift over and go to the membership site. If you want to be a member, it's $5 a month. So it's a minimal cost. And if there, for some reason, the $5 is cost prohibitive for you, just send me an email. I'm, you know, I'd be happy to share the content. I don't want cost to be the reason that you can't access the material. Um, it's really just, I'm putting that paywall there primarily because when you're talking, I mean, I, I want to serve highly sensitive people. So I really want to be sure that when I'm sharing this content, it's with people who really want, they want to have it. And so putting a small fee each month kind of assures that, that the people who are coming in really want to be there. Yeah. So that's about all of my updates. Um, I look forward to hearing your thoughts. I'll be putting stuff um, in the blog as well as in the course page any questions, send me an email. And other than that, I'll just tell you that I'm so excited, so grateful that you shared your time with me and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.